Welcome to the Political Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Pethokoukas of the American Enterprise Institute. Each week, I feature a lively conversation with experts on some of the most important economic and policy questions of our time. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Ratings and reviews really help with the podcast visibility, and I always appreciate the feedback. Thanks, and on to the show. As America emerges from the COVID-19 pandemic, what should we expect of the U.S. economy? Will the pandemic-induced recession be a launching pad for a new Roaring Twenties? Or should we expect the same slow rate of growth we experienced prior to the pandemic? Today, I'm joined by Michael Strain. Mike is the Arthur F. Burns Scholar in Political Economy and the Director of Economic Policy Studies here at AEI. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. The country's vaccinating. It is stimulating. It's being stimulated. A lot of things happening. How much has the economy regained? How far do we have to go? Are we back to where we were? Well, it's uh, a somewhat nuanced uh, uh, answer. The economy is set to hit its pre-pandemic trend level of GDP this calendar year. If the pandemic had never happened, GDP would be about the same at the end of the year as it as it will be. Um, that we will is, have caught up. We will have caught up. That is extraordinary and uh, not something that I think many people would have predicted. Um, it will not be true for other developed nations. So by by that measure, which is a great measure, you know, what is the quantity of goods and services the economy is producing? What's the level of income the economy is generating? Uh, we will have caught up this year. How do we pull it off? See, other countries, not every country has been able to do it. Maybe well, most countries haven't been able to do it. Well, let me capture the nuance. When you look at employment instead of at GDP, we're still around 10 million jobs short. And we still have an unemployment rate that, you know, is not atrocious, right? I mean, it's below 6%. Uh, but it's it's not uh, in the uh, in the fours like many people hope or like the threes that some people hope. Um, and so, you know, we have a situation where economic demand has come back uh, very strongly, where the uh, economy is, is producing, where we're going to catch up to where we were uh, as measured by production, but where we have a labor market that uh, that fundamentally is uh, quite weak. We have a workforce participation rate that hasn't really improved since last summer. It's been been about a year of no progress. Um, and so uh, judging by, by that metric, we, we still have uh, quite a bit of ways to go. So how is it possible that we will have an economy as big as what we'll have at the end of the year, but we won't have employment? We'll have such a big gap in employment. How can those two things happen at the same time? Well, you will love the answer because the answer is a productivity surge. So, and, and that surge, what explains that surge then? So we can do more with less. We can, we can, we can, uh, we can produce uh, more goods and services with fewer workers. What explains it? Part of it is a, is a compositional effect, uh, which means that, that the uh, uh, workers who, who haven't found their way back into employment are likely uh, workers who have lower productivity than, than those that are employed. Um, part of it uh, is uh, actual Productivity gains, businesses learning how to do things differently and, and, and learning how to uh, make stuff and, 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 and deliver services with, uh, with fewer workers. The unemployment rate was 
uh, maybe about three and a half percent or so before the pandemic. Do you expect to get back to that level? How long might it take? Well, that uh, that level is uh, is is quite low. Um, I I think we should expect the unemployment rate to get back into the fours, uh, uh, and the length of time that will take is uncertain. Right now, that there there are some factors that are that are really holding back labor force growth that are keeping workers on the sidelines. One of those factors is the generosity of unemployment benefits. Um, another factor is difficulty in, in finding childcare due to the pandemic. Uh, another factor is concern about uh, getting sick, which is still, I think, for some people, uh, uh, a concern. Um, and another factor uh, are early retirements. Early retirements, we're not going to get back. Uh, those those How workers, significant is that? Well, I think I think it's I think it's hard to say, um, but uh, it would not surprise me if if a few million of the ten million missing jobs were um, uh, made up of uh, early retirements. You know, we've we have seen stock prices soar to uh, record highs during the pandemic, and that has put people in a position to retire. Uh, who who might otherwise not have been, and you know after you've been home for fifteen or sixteen months, um, you know some 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 people in their early sixties, late fifties, you know who may have the 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 retirement uh, nest egg that they need, uh, uh, you know again in part due to to rising um, uh, stock prices. You know, we just be saying, you know, I don't, you know, do I really want to go back to the commute? Do I want to kind of go back to the to the daily grind? You know, for two years or three years, and then you know, and then and then retire. You know, why not just why not just retire now? I haven't been able to see my kids or my grandkids uh, very much for the past for the past year and a half. Um, and so I think I think we I think we are likely not going to see those people return. Um, but uh, childcare issues are going to resolve themselves. Uh, uh, concerned about getting sick is going to resolve itself, and um, the uh, uh, generosity of unemployment benefits is going to normalize uh, all in the month of September. Is this just kind of a conservative economist thing or a conservative pundit thing, people who maybe don't like unemployment benefits, or is there a kind of a consensus on the impact, and what is that consensus? I think it's I think it's much more controversial on Twitter than it is um, than it is off Twitter. You know, look, I mean, we had uh, a half century of um, economic research, uh, a half century of data upon which economic analysis was conducted that demonstrated uh, quite uh, strongly that when unemployment benefits are, are, are more generous, that the length of time people stay unemployed increases. Um, this, I think, was not an especially controversial statement. Uh, then we entered into the pandemic in, in, in March of 2020. And as part of the CARES Act, as part of the government's fiscal policy response to the pandemic uh, in, in, in March of 2020, Congress increased the generosity of unemployment benefits by $600 a week. Some uh, preliminary evidence suggests that the $600 a week did not uh, keep people um, unemployed for longer. So the question is, 
is the economy in the summer of 2021 more like the economy was in the spring of 2020 or more like the economy was in the 50 years before the spring of 2020? And, you know, I don't know, in March of 2021 and April of 2021, it was probably a mix, right? There were still some strong elements of a pandemic economy, some strong elements of a, of a normal economy. Um, you know, by May of 2021, uh, we started to see, uh, you know, many, many states kind of, you know, making big steps toward toward full normalization. Economy is probably looking a lot more like a normal economy. I think certainly now uh, the economy is much more like a normal uh, economy. And so I think, the, I think, you know, in my view, we should expect the kind of normal relationship between unemployment benefits and, and, and the duration of unemployment to, to reassert itself. With the $300, uh, the average unemployed worker is collecting uh, about $650 a week, let's say, um, for about half of all workers. Uh, they have a higher income. About half of all workers have a higher income from unemployment benefits than, than they had in their last job. That's going to keep people on the sidelines. Uh, this is accepted, I think, without without much fanfare by um, economists and investment banks and, and economists in the private sector. Uh, my strong suspicion is that um, this is... Uh, the view of uh, economists inside the Fed um, as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know that there are, you know, there's a lot of heated debate about this on, on Twitter, but I think there's, there's less heated debate uh, elsewhere. And one theory I hear on Twitter is that this pandemic has, has produced an awakening among the American labor force that too many jobs are not just low-wage jobs, they're dead-end jobs. People hate their jobs. And now, having been at home and getting a check, they realize that that's not a life they can go back at, back to. That's not a life they want to go back to. And it's not their fault. It's an, an economy doesn't create meaningful, high-paying work for people. And that's the problem. And people don't want to go back to these BS jobs, certainly at these terrible wages. Yeah, that's, that's a view. I mean, look, there are... Um a lot of low wage jobs in in the US economy there's no there's no question about that there are jobs where where pay is troublingly low uh, you know waiters and waitresses is a uh, an example um, of, of uh, you know fast food workers i i i recognize i think what um, some of the critics are are pointing to but i think it's a little bit um, odd to be arguing that these are dead-end jobs that, that people shouldn't return to on the one hand, while also celebrating the fact that many people don't have to return to those jobs because they're able to get better opportunities, right? And so this is, this is what you're seeing, is you're seeing a lot of people who were fast food workers, you know, becoming kind of manufacturing sector workers or things of this nature. You know, what you're seeing is upward mobility. Is that the phenomenon we're seeing? Well, this is certainly what a lot of the a lot of the press coverage has has been about. You know that there are workers who don't have to go back to those jobs because the economy is so hot that um, that they're able to to get better jobs, bargain for better jobs. And you're seeing a lot of employers, um, uh, you know, 
open to hiring different types of workers because uh, labor demand is is so strong, and you're paying more or paying bonuses. You're saying paying more, paying bonuses, offering a lot of perks, things of this right. nature. And so, you know, in in my mind, this really suggests um, that these jobs are anything but dead end jobs. These are jobs where you can you can you can work at them for some time. Uh, build some skills, make some relationships, uh, and get some experience, and then go on to go on to other better jobs. And and I think, you know, the the idea that um, that these jobs aren't jobs where you'd want to spend an entire career, you know, therefore people shouldn't do them. Uh, I think gets things exactly backwards. I think what you want to what you want to say is that these are jobs uh, that people. You know, may not want to do for their entire careers. You know, therefore, they should they should do them and then and then uh, advance uh, from them, using them as a starting point, using them using them as a as a, as a launching pad. Uh, you know, that I think is the is the better lesson. I mean, if we want people to have, um, you know, higher paying jobs with with more benefits and more job security and and uh, and you know, where workers have more control over their schedules and things of this nature. The solution isn't to, you know, keep workers on the sidelines. The solution is to get workers into the labor market uh, uh, at whatever jobs that they can get and then to uh, support them and help them to advance to those to those better jobs. And isn't that kind of the situation we had before the pandemic where the economy had been growing for a long time, maybe not super fast, but growing for a long time, and slowly it's kind of ground that unemployment rate down and wages started going up even at the low ends? Is that the kind of policy goal that we need? Yeah, you want you want an economy where employers are chasing workers, uh, not one where workers are, are chasing jobs. And in order to, to get an economy like that, you need strong labor demand. Uh, and you need uh, a scarcity of workers, uh, and so that's what a low unemployment rate will tell you. Your your description of what um, uh, the economy was like at the end of uh, the um, expansion from the Great Recession, I think, is absolutely right. For for several years, we had an economy where uh, gains were stronger at the bottom than at the top for the last few years, right? Um, uh, you know, 2018, 2019. And and where, you know, we saw the uh, employment rates for uh, vulnerable workers rising, for workers with disabilities, for example, uh, we saw uh, employment rates, uh, or we or we we have reason to believe that employment among the formerly incarcerated, uh, where where uh, was was it was going up. Um, we had uh, wages growing um, uh, at the bottom throughout the entire distribution, growing faster at the bottom than at the top. Actually, you know that uh, creates opportunities. There, there, there is no jobs program or, or employment program better than a hot economy with with strong labor demand, where 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 employers are are chasing workers. We have a situation right now where employers are chasing workers. Um, but what is what is odd about the situation we have now is that we have uh, employers chasing workers, we have wages rising faster at the bottom than at the top, we have all all these things, while also having no improvement in workforce participation uh, over the past year, and, and while still being ten million jobs short, uh, or, you know, or roughly ten million jobs short of, of of where we of where we should be, and so you know this is one of the kind of oddities of uh, the current the current economic moment
You outlined the advantages of a tight labor market and a hot economy. Has, has, ha, have those advantages not been fully valued over the past 20 or 30 years, and we've been too worried about the 1970s reoccurring, too worried about inflation, the Fed has been too tight? That's certainly an argument you hear. We worried too much about inflation. We really didn't have to because where's the inflation? Well, I think we saw decent wage growth in the 1990s. Uh, and I think we saw decent wage growth for a lot of the 2000s. And, and uh, following the financial crisis of 2008, we had um, a half decade or so of, of uh, uh, bad wage growth. But then wages started to grow again. Um, and so, you know, when I when I think about the uh, economy of the past uh, 30 years, I see an economy where where wages have been growing. They've grown by about a third over that period for uh, non-supervisory workers on average. And I don't see, you know, in in an economy where the Fed wasn't trying to get the unemployment rate lower. Uh, I do think we learned. Um, during the uh, previous expansion that that ended with the onset of the pandemic, that you can push the unemployment rate uh, significantly lower than than many economists thought, without sparking inflation. Now we were we were. So the Fed learned something. The Fed learned something. Now whether or not that was also true in the 1990s, I think you know was is is very hard to say. But uh, I think it certainly was was true um, uh, in. 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, and that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing to know. And it really, it really helped workers and accrued to the betterment of workers. If we had had an intervening recession, you know, that was the longest expansion uh, that we have had. And if we had a recession, we wouldn't have been able to learn that lesson, right? And so, good to avoid recessions. Good to avoid recessions. And part of the reason we, we were able to learn that lesson is because we didn't we didn't have we we went a really long time without. There's certainly a school of thought that's saying recessions we need recessions to uh, uh, get rid of uh, wasteful investment to prevent bubbles from forming. That there's a there's a sort of a purifying aspect to recessions. <laughs> but you're saying avoid them. Yeah, I think we want to avoid recessions. I mean, it's not you know it's not to say that there aren't. Um, you're not worried about malinvestment. Well, I, I am worried about, about malinvestment, um, but uh, you're saying maybe, but better to just keep on get, keep that economy running, get that unemployment rate down, get those wages up. That's a you value that more. There are um, uh, some good things that come out of recessions. Uh, I think we want to avoid recessions, even though there are some, some creative things. destruction that happens in recessions. There's creative destruction happening. You said that, and you just said that during this last downturn, that companies were learning how to be more efficient and be more productive. Uh, speaking of productivity, you mentioned that the reason we're able to get the uh, uh, GDP back up without all those workers, that businesses become more productive. Uh, will we continue to see higher productivity going forward, or is this kind of a one-time burst, and then it's going to kind of go back to the way it was before the recession, which is not particularly spectacular productivity growth, which may explain why we haven't seen gr- uh, you know greater wage growth in the past? I think we'll. I think we're in for a good. Uh, Few years uh, on purpose because, uh, and that's because what work from home, people working from home, or not commuting as much, or uh, more Zoom meetings. Businesses just learning to be more efficient, or maybe now they're learning to use technology better. What are the reasons? I think I think some of those are are are, are the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, businesses are going to save some money on office space. You know, I I think that that you know, kind of 
Washington or New York or Boston to Los Angeles business trips are gonna are gonna um, be less common, and that's gonna help people to to boost their productivity. But I also think we we you know we learned how to do a lot uh, during uh, during the pandemic and discovered new ways of doing things. One big boost to productivity, for example, I think is gonna be um, the increased shift toward e-commerce. Yeah, you know, that's probably not going away, um, and that's going to boost productivity in the retail sector. I think we're going to continue to see um, a greater productivity from the restaurant sector, uh, which really figured out how to do and and uh, it's a and lot it's of service stuff. sectors that it's hard to raise productivity. Yeah, that's right. But um, uh, you know, I think we're going to see uh, a more productive health sector. Um, I expect that telemedicine is going to be. As something that that's here to stay, and that's gonna and that's gonna boost productivity uh, in the health sector. Um, and so, you know, I just think that there are there are, you know, these kind of big things, but also, um, and part of the reason we've recovered so quickly is that millions of business owners and millions of workers uh, throughout uh, the United States figured out how to do their jobs in this uh, in this uh, very difficult and unusual circumstance, and. They're going to take a lot of the lessons they learned with them um, uh, into life after the pandemic, and 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 that's going to accrue to our to all of our betterment. During the pandemic, you could have t- you could have told a story about a post-pandemic economy where businesses become more efficient, people learn how to use technology, people work. You could have told that kind of story and the econ- about an economy ready to really recover quickly. You could have also told a, co- a story about an economy where people become more risk averse. Um, there's, a, there's a lot more caution. People flee cities, uh, which are real productivity hubs. So which of those stories, maybe you have a third story to tell, which of those stories you see uh, playing out that we're going to use this pandemic as sort of a a launching pad, perhaps to a more high productivity, high efficiency economy, or one where maybe we're going to become more risk averse going forward, and we won't take as many much. There won't be as much entrepreneurship or whatever uh, negative ramification you want to think about. Is or or do you maybe have a third story? Well, I I think we're going to see a bit of both. Um, uh, you know, I think. People are, you know, likely going to be uh, more risk averse about their health, um, and that could be a good thing. I think, um, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people used to come to work when they were sick. Um, you know, in America, tens of thousands of people die every year from the from the flu. Uh, I think Americans will take the flu more seriously than than they used to. Um, uh, you know, people used to go to work with the flu, uh, after, you know, uh, especially after a few days. You know, how many times have you been on an airplane or a train where, you know, some guy sitting close to you, you know, obviously is sick with a, with a, with a cough or, or with, you know, sneezing or something like that? You know, my guess is we'll see we'll see less of that, um, and so I think people will be will be more risk averse when it comes to their health or when it comes to the the uh, you know risks from spreading um, uh, uh, infections. Um, but we saw a surge in uh, new business formation during the pandemic, um, which uh, I think tells you a lot about how the economy uh, responded and how and how the economy will continue to respond. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that a lot of the a lot of the forces that 
that existed prior to the pandemic are still going to exist after the pandemic. And so I'm I'm skeptical that, you know, this is well, I'm, I, I think for sure this is not the end of cities. Um, uh, you know, I think for sure we're not going to, you know, uh, flee dense populated areas and live in little hamlets or houses in the woods oh, or things of that nature. You don't think there's going to be that economic opportunity and geography won't be perhaps not as tightly linked. Uh, we've, you've had these, you've had a lot of job growth and it's kind of a small group of cities, a lot of productivity in a small group of cities. It sure sounded like what we needed was to get more people in those cities. So the opportunity and geography are, were very tightly linked. There's been a lot of calls for uh, change in housing policy to make it easier for people to move and live in these cities in an affordable manner. You think that kind of policy is less important because now we've learned that people don't need to be uh, in the same office. They can be far away and still be very efficient. So Yeah, I don't think we've learned that. You don't think that the, um, the density is still important and we didn't learn that it's maybe not quite as important as what we thought? I mean, look, I think that we are going to um, you know, be in a situation where people don't have to work from home. Uh, we're going to be in a situation where people don't don't have to avoid physical contact with their colleagues. And, you know, what do I think we're going to see? I mean, I think we're going to see people wanting to do well and wanting to advance in their careers. And they're going to show up to the office because they're because they know that putting in FaceTime uh, in the office is is going to help them to get ahead. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people prior to the pandemic could have worked from home one or two days a week. They were in jobs where that would have been allowed. They could have worked that out with their with their with their manager, with their company. And they. And they uh, chose not to do that um, because other people were coming in. And so there's going to be a competitive dynamic reasserting itself in American work workplaces um, that's that I think is going to lead uh, office culture and 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 going to lead uh, uh, in-person work to look pretty similar to how it did before the pandemic. Now, you know, look, if 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 you, you know, used to work from home three days a week you know, might you work from home four days a week following the pandemic for a few years? Yeah. You know, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some, you know, marginal increase in, 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 in work from home, although that would be, uh, I mean, that would be a 33% increase, right? Um, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, an afternoon here, a day there, something like that. Sure. I think, I think we might see, we might see more of that. You know, might we see, uh, you know, more people, trying to leave the office at 4.30 p.m. on the dot so they could have dinner with their kids or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think those kinds, of, those kinds of, 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 you know, minor modifications, I think, are things that we, that we might see. But um, there, are, there are strong reasons why workers who are competing for advancement in the same company are going to want to be in the office. There are strong reasons why uh, managers are going to want workers in the office there are strong reasons why people are going to want to live in in densely populated areas uh, with a lot of employment opportunities. All of those forces existed prior to the pandemic. None of them have been uh, destroyed by the pandemic, and so my expectation is that is that they're gonna they're gonna reassert themselves, and and um, uh, things are gonna look reasonably similar. I mean, you know, a a trend toward urbanization has been one of the most important historical forces of the last uh, uh, few centuries. It has survived 
previous pandemics. It has survived wars. It has survived lots of things. And, and I don't think the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic of uh, 2020, as disruptive and significant as it was, is going gonna, is gonna to significantly derail that. Seems like a lot of economic forecasts this year, a lot of very fast growth. Next year, pretty fast growth. But then sort of back to the sorts of forecasts that you saw before the pandemic, where this is an economy that over the longer term maybe will grow at 2%, maybe a little bit less. Would that be your forecast? Or do you think that something has maybe changed in this economy, both from the pandemic and maybe some of the uh, technological advances we've seen of late, whether it's AI or CRISPR or space economy or with, you know, SpaceX, do you think that situation has changed? Or is it back to the same forecasts long-term that this is an economy that's probably grow pretty slow um, from here on out after well, sort of this blip? Yeah, I'm more, I'm more bullish than that because I'm more, I'm more bullish on um, the next half decade of productivity growth. I, th- I think we're going to see... Uh, faster productivity growth than we saw prior to the pandemic, and that's going to push the growth rate uh, up above the kind of 2% range that you're referring to. A, a, a factor holding back the growth of the economy is going to be the growth of the of the labor force. Um, you know, a lot of these early retirements are going are gonna to weigh on, on growth. Uh, you know, U.S. demographics uh, over the next five years or so are pretty much baked in. Um, and so if we wanna if we wanna boost uh, economic growth from from the labor force side of things, then we need to get more people into the workforce, which is a, a significant decades long challenge that I think we need to take much more seriously than we've taken in the past. And that will boost economic economic growth. Uh, and uh, we need to think seriously about our immigration policy. Um, which uh, which would also, you know, more immigrants, but also increase uh, increase GDP growth. I guess it has been Michael Strain. Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jim. Great to be back. 